what a beautiful moment I have been able to experience experience today. First of all, I want to say that I'm here on behalf of 7,000 churches, companies, and groups all across North America. That's the United States, Canada, the islands of Bermuda, and the islands of Guam and Micronesia. On behalf of 1.2 million members of the Adventist Church in North America to say, congrats, Remix, well done. We are so proud of you. Let's put our hands together. This is a special moment. As your president, whom I love a lot, said, you're part of a sisterhood of churches in all of Southern New England Conference. You're also part of a sisterhood of churches in the Atlantic Union. That's all of the Northeast of the, of the United States. And I see the youth director, Pastor David McKenzie, here. It's good to have you here, Pastor. Thank you for your support. It's okay. Let's put our hands together. It's good that he's here. But you're also a part of the church in the North American division and a part of the Adventist church worldwide. Can someone say amen today? You are, you are a part of the church, and, and today we're here to celebrate with you. Amen? So I want to affirm the ministry of uh, Gilbert Caraballo. Uh, lots of work, but always had time for church. And I want to affirm the ministry of Pastor Brasetti. Pastor, it's so good that you're pastoring this church. I know that with your leadership, this church is going to go to the next level. And I praise God for you. Amen. <laughs> By the way, when I grow up, I want to have the muscles you have, man. You guys got a very strong pastor. That's good. No one mess with this church. And Pastor Milton, it's so good to see the conference and the, and the church working together and making sure that something happened here. And, and I am just excited. So I want to say congratulations. Well done. Well done. God is with you. And this is just the beginning of many beautiful things that God has in store for you. Amen? Now let me, let me add something else. Whenever I get invited to come to, to New England, that's almost like an automatic yes. Because this is home for us. Amen? We only lived in the area for three and a half years, but we learned to love you so much. So this is home for us. And, and many of you, you are family to us. I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear. I love coming here. I think this is one of the most beautiful places anywhere in the world. And I want to tell you, what makes this place so beautiful is not, it's not the changing of the leaves during the fall. It's not the beautiful colors of the autumn. It's not the, the beautiful and charming towns of, of New England. What makes New England most beautiful is not the skyline in Boston. And I stayed there last night, and it is beautiful. What, what makes New England beautiful is not even the sports teams. Amen? Ha! Listen, take it, take it from, from someone who moved here from New York. I love the Yankees and the Giants. Listen, listen, listen. Let me get to the end of it. And you guys have some work to do with, with Pastor David Dennis. He still needs to be converted. You know, and Milton Marquez, you know, I think he likes the Mets. Out of all teams, the Mets, come on. 
Are they even a team, you know? But, but take it from someone who came here from New York, and when I left this place, uh, and, and I can say it with all pride, it is true, I wouldn't lie right before I preach. You should have seen the celebration in my house this past year when, when the Boston Red Sox won the whole thing. Amen? So, hey, David, I know, I know I'm going to hear from David at the end of the sermon, but, hey, just, just pay attention to what comes next. Don't, don't worry about this part. And, of course, you know, last year we also suffered, you know, when the Patriots went down. We're praying for them this year. We think that they can make it again. All right? So, hey, just, just, just letting you know. So we always love coming here. We love this area. We love the New England. But, but one thing, what makes New England most beautiful and most loved is not any of those things that I just mentioned. You know what is most beautiful about New England? You know what God loves most about New England? right. The people of New England, and not only you who are here today, but the people who live all around you in your neighborhoods, and the people that go to school with you, and the people that work right next to you, your colleagues, God loves you most of our New England. And the fact that you're here means that it is not a coincidence that he placed you here. It means that he wants you to reach the people around you with his gospel, and with his love, and his compassion. Amen. And I would like to think that that is the, the reason why Remix Community Church is becoming an official church on a day such as today, the first, the first uh, Sabbath of the year. I want to tell you, you're not alone. In North America, in the last three years, there have been over 600 new churches, new baby churches that have been planted. But I want to tell you one thing. I believe that this is the first one that has been planted in the year 2019. So you got ahead of everybody else, our first church plant in North America in 2019. So congratulations. Now, as I was thinking, what can I say to remix community on this special day? Story came to my mind. It took place about 13 years ago as I became a dad for the first time. I have been praying for a son. My wife became pregnant. It sounds so passive. She became pregnant. There was a lot of work put into it, believe me. Amen. Pastors work hard at the church and in the community, but also at home, amen? Okay, you guys are right next. Okay, no, no good. They told us that it was going to be a boy. So I figured, I said, listen, you know, if I'm going to have a boy, and my dad's name is Jose Cortez uh, Sr., and I am Jose Cortez Jr., maybe I can call this boy Jose Cortez III. And somehow my wife agreed with me. He was born. They were in the hospital for like one day and a half, two days, and then he, we brought him home. First few days came about, and my wife was doing a great job taking care of him, and I was trying to help as much as I could. But then this one night, I woke up 
Because there was crying, and, and he was in his room, but we had this little monitor, and I looked, and, and on that little monitor, I could see him crying and doing all kinds of things. And I elbowed my wife, and I said, baby, uh, he's hungry. Go feed him. And my wife said, no, he's not hungry. I just gave him something to eat. It's your turn. Remember, you promised. Be careful with those promises you make, you know, when you're pursuing something. Go and check on him. So I went. It was late at night. I was tired. And I started trying to, to go like this. Baby, 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 I love you. And the more I went like that, the more he cried. Joyce. I was trying to be the best dad ever, so I picked him up, and, and I started going like this, you know, like some people do, and talking, baby, you are tan lindo, baby, you're so cute, baby, baby. And the more I did that, the more he cried, so I felt that, that something was a little wet right here in my belly, and I looked at him, and I touched him a little, and, and I realized that, that he needed a diaper change. But I was ready. We had this uh, table. It was a little higher than, than the other table. And we had something on top of it. I forget the name of it. And I put him there. And I started to undo his diaper. My first time. Now I know how to do it. But I didn't know how to do it at that time, even though I thought I did. So I pulled the diaper away. Try to dry him up a little bit, clean them up a little bit, and somehow forgot to put the new diaper back in quickly. So I kept just going, baby, and now he was smiling at me. I'm baby, and he was smiling because now he was happy, and I kept doing that, and I was so close to him, and I was feeling this bond between father and son, and then all of a sudden, something happened. Ah. My wife later on, she told me, don't worry, that's kind of sterile, and, and it's, but, but it, it was kind of nasty. <laughs> One of the joys of having a baby is the, the assurance that the baby will somehow grow up. Can someone say Amen. And that the things that the baby does when, when he or she is firstborn, those things don't happen as they grow up. Am I making myself clear today, dear remix? My point, you see, now my son is 13. And he doesn't do stuff like that anymore, at least, no, he doesn't, amen. And he's here, he's looking, baby, I love you. It's okay. You can look up now. I love you, baby. It's all right. Smile. All right. Good. And Remix, I'm so happy that, that you've gone through all of these years of, of babyhood and, and infanthood. And now you're coming to the point in which you're ready to just spread your wings and do some awesome things in this Clinton community. Can someone say amen? I am happy because you have grown and now God is ready to take you to a different level to, 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 to do some awesome things for his honor and his glory. Amen? Ha. So two things, 
Today I have two things that I want to I want to share with you. Two things. Actually, two words. Are you ready? Okay, one person is ready. Are you ready? Okay, I'm glad some more. All right, good. Man, I know the lights are down on everything, but don't fall asleep on me like that. Two things that I want to share with you. If you're going to do what God wants you to do as a church, if you're going to take this, this community to, to, to a different uh, experience, you, you must remember these two things. Number one. Serve. What did I say? Serve. God has placed remixed right here in this community because there are families, there are people who need you right here in Clinton. This is not a coincidence. God placed you here for a reason. So if you're ever going to make a difference for God and for this community, you must remember this word, serve. You got me? And I'm just not coming up with this on my own. Actually, the Bible says that we as a community of faith, we must serve. Let's go to our Bibles quickly. And I think we're going to have it back on the screen as well. So 1 Peter Chapter 4 and verse 10, and it says there the following. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies then everything you will do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So this is a command directly from the Bible. If you are going to make a difference in this community, number one, you must what? Man, that, that surf sounded a little bit diabetic. If you're going to make the difference that God wants you to do right here in this Clinton community, you as a church must what? That's right, serve. Be engaged. Somehow. And leaders, Pastor Brasetti, Pastor Milton, Gilbert, if this church is going to be able to go to the next level, every person that decides to become a member or a part of this family must be given an opportunity to serve from the very beginning. Let me make it very clear. Ministry does not begin at ordination. Ministry begins at salvation. So if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, you are called to be a minister. There are pastors that, that, that lead and and, and organize and, and help out and put all their time into this. But in order for the church to be what the church must be, every single person in the church somehow must be engaged in ministry. Let me just share something that happened to me. A few years ago, when I became the director of youth ministries in Greater New York Conference, a few years ago, 
I remember that we came to the first summer, and during the summer, we had different camp meetings. You have them here, too. And I remember going to, to a place called Camp Berkshire for one of these camp meetings. There were like six of them. And I had to go to each one. But this one was the Hispanic camp meeting. Went through the entire week. And then I was told that at the end of camp meeting, there will be a softball game. A softball game that was a tradition between pastors and, and young people. And, and they said, do you like to play softball? And I said, man, I love softball. In reality, I don't love softball that much. I love baseball. But, but you know, now as you get older, you start playing softball. Right, Pastor Milton? So that way we don't get hurt. So I remember getting uh, uh, all pumped up about this game. It will take place on Sunday. Remember that Saturday night, after everything finished, I went all the way from Cambridgeshire to Long Island because I had forgotten my glove and my bat. And, and I remember I had a nice shirt that said Cortez and number one on the back, amen. Something, it was a gift from my wife. I'm glad someone thought I was number one. My wife, who better? And I went back there and I gathered all of my equipment, came back to the camp, arrived at 2 o'clock in the morning that night. But I was ready for the softball game on Sunday. Woke up early, gathered by the field. Which team do you think I went to? The pastors or the young people? Tell me. I was a youth director. So I said, I got to go and, and play with the young people. So, so I gathered with the young people, and we were starting to, to organize our team. And the conference president all of a sudden says, Jose, what are you doing over there? You're a pastor. Come over. So, you know, when the conference president calls you, you just say, yes, sir, and you go. So I went. And he asked me when I got to the other bench, he said, what, what do you play? So I said, well, I play, I play center field. And he said, well, Pastor Mejias plays center field. I said, okay, I can do third base. He said, well, Pastor Rodriguez plays third base. I can do first. Pastor Hernandez plays first. I do shortstop. Hey, you know, I, I can. And the conference president looked at me and he said, no, I, I play shortstop. So we went around, Bob, and, and I mentioned just about every single position that there was, and, and each one of them was taken. So I'm, I'm there wondering, so why did this guy just call me if, if he has nothing for me when he said, Jose, we need a catcher. That's the one position my dad always told me to never play. And I did the same with my son. I said, you know, the catchers, they get hurt, and, and you have to, to you know, it's, it's, it's hard. So, so don't, don't do that. So he said, hey, listen, this is easy. This is softball, so it's not hard. Um, you know, you, you can do this. And I was trying to get away with not doing it, but you, you can do this. So I finally accepted to be the catcher in a, in a slow softball game. That's kind of humiliating. And as I was walking back there to get behind home plate, as if I couldn't feel any more humiliated, 
He said to me, Jose, one of our pastors is missing his glove. You're just going to cash back there, so please, can you give us your glove? Took my glove, just threw it back, and kept walking. Got behind home plate. Tried to cover all of the right areas. And as the pitcher was about to throw the first pitch, Pastor Perez came running around. And he said, guys, I'm here. And our conference president, I remember, looked at me and he said, Jose, our catcher just got here. What do you want me to do? He said, well, just go and sit. David, I went and I sat down on that bench waiting for one of my colleagues, the pastors, one of the pastors to get hurt or to die or something. Wondering, what did I even come over here for? And just as I was feeling like that, I remember a young man by the name of Esteban, Stephen. He said, Jose. I said, yes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sitting. What does it look like I'm doing? He said, come over. Do you want to play with us? And I said, yes. I got over there. He said, what position do you play? I said, center field. And he says, you have it. And you can be our third hitter, so get your bat and get ready. Let me ask you a question, church. What team do you think that I play for for the rest of my time in Greater New York? Ha! Of course, the youth team. And let me tell you why. Because I or you, we were not created to sit down somewhere and wait for someone to give us an opportunity. You were not created to come to church and sit and, and look at the back of somebody else's head while, while a preacher feeds you with information. You can do that at home, in your computer, from your bedside. God created you and me and all of us. Remix, God created you to make a difference in a community and, and in a place where there are people who need him. So please, in the name of Jesus, I beg you and I challenge you. Get engaged in ministry. Do not be like one of those congregations in which people just sit down, come to church on Sabbath, and they do nothing else. Ha! So okay to clap. And let me make it clear. If you are not engaged in ministry, somehow blessing those around you and blessing your community, eventually, one day, you will not only not be here sitting down, looking at the back of somebody else's head and listening to the preacher, one day, you will not be here at all. So I hope and I pray that Remix will be a lot more than a worship service in a movie theater, and I think that is really cool. I don't know that we have any other church in North America that does this. I think that is really cool. But I pray that Remix will be a disciple-making church in this community where everyone gets an opportunity to do something for God's honor and God's glory.
So find your passion. Discover your gift. And do something in Jesus' name. And he will bless. Amen. So that was number one. Number two. Love. Love. God wants to see each and every one of you love others. God wants to see you as a heart and a feet of Jesus in this community. Amen? Very simple. Serve and what? And love. And I want to close with this. It's written in red in my Bible. It's found in John 13, 34, and 35. And you know when it's written in red, you know why, what that means, right? You know what that means? Jesus said it himself. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love what? One another. And listen to this. Here Jesus gives the, the sign of a true disciple. And you see a true disciple reads the Bible and it is great to read the Bible. A true disciple prays, and it is awesome to pray. I believe that praying is even more important than reading the Bible if we had to rank these things. Let me tell you why. There are people that cannot read. But you can always pray. Even if you cannot talk, you can pray it in your head. So prayer is very accessible. It is awesome to have a day of rest and to worship on the Sabbath. Can you imagine God thought of you from the very beginning and he said, these people are going to be so working so hard throughout the week. They need a break. And he gave you a day off. So cool that we have the, and, and it is great to be able to rest and to worship on the Sabbath. Yet, none of those things are the signs of a true disciple of Jesus. They are great things. And we must enjoy them. But check this out. Read back there with me. By this, all men and women will know that you are my disciples. It's not by the Sabbath you keep, by the verses you read, by the prayers you, you say, or by the love that you have for one another. If you want remix to be what God wants it to be, please, in the name of Jesus, love others. You see, people will never see you as a community of faith unless they can see you as a community of love. Amen? I want to put something on the screen really quickly, and I, I hear the music. I'm about to bring this down. The plane is about to land, Gilbert. I don't know when is the next time I'm coming, so I just want to finish this very quick. Can we put that quote on the screen, please? 
It is customary to blame secular science and anti-religious philosophy for the eclipse of religion in modern society. It would be more honest to blame religion for its own defeats. Religion declined not because it was refuted, but because it became irrelevant, dull, oppressive, insipid. When faith is completely replaced by creed, worship by discipline, love by habit, when the crisis of today is ignored because of the splendor of the past, when faith becomes a heirloom rather than a living fountain, when religion speaks only in the name of authority rather than with the voice of compassion. message becomes meaningless. If this church is going to be the church of God, this church has a responsibility of loving all of the sinners that God loves. Let me tell you, you also have the right of rejecting all of the sinners that Jesus question, who were those? Jesus loved all the sinners. He rejected none, including the Pharisees. A remix. The guy with tattoos, who must love? A girl that was found pregnant out of wedlock, you have to love her. The woman that has been trafficked and turned into prostitution. You think God would love her? You think God would love would want remix to love her? By all means. The guy who is struggling with his sexuality came very clear today. And don't look at me like that. Because all of us at some point or another have struggled with our own sexuality. Am I making myself clear? The only sinners that you are allowed not to love in this community are the ones that Jesus will reject. Okay? If we're only able to love those that look like us, dress like us, worship like us, smell like us, then who's going to love the others? You know what? Jesus came to save all, including those who are different than we are. Amen? Let me close with this. And, and Gilbert, this is it. Two years ago, right here in this area, I went to see a baseball game. My favorite baseball player was playing in that game. You know who my favorite baseball player is? Jose, no, not David Ortiz, man, come on. Jose Cortez III, that's my favorite baseball player. I had, I had a bad story of him at the beginning, so I got to end it with a good story, right? 
was a Sunday morning. It was a little cool. Like it can be here at the end of March, beginning of April. And I remember sitting on those bleachers, freezing to death, or clapping for my son. He was a little kid, so at that time, they only let them pitch two innings. He pitched two innings, and he struck out six people. And, and I was just in heaven. Baseball heaven, amen? Then he came up to hit, and he hit a triple. Come on, who hits a triple at that age? And I was excited, and the other parents were looking at me, and they thought I was a little bit crazy, and perhaps I am, but, but it was my son, and I, I wanted to, I was excited. Yeah, let's just not pretend. I was just excited. Then he hit a double and a single. He was one home run short of hitting for the cycle. So it had been a great, great, great day so far. But finally, we were coming to the end of the game, and the other team had the bases loaded, no outs. And you know, in baseball, they switched the kids, and they put them in different positions, so that now he was playing shortstop. And a guy hit a line drive real, real, real hard, and my son jumped and caught it. How many outs is that? One out. You know, at that age, a lot of the kids don't have a lot of sense and clue, you know, when it comes to baseball. So the kid that was in second base kept running, running to third, and my son tagged him. How many outs is that? Two. But then he noticed that the kid from first that was going to second had kept running as well, so he did not even throw the ball. I don't know that he trusted the other guy that he would catch it, so he went and he tagged them. How many outs? Ah, you know what they call that? That's a triple play without assistance. That never happens in baseball. And my son did it. Ah. Man, that was awesome. I was doing that. I was clapping, but a lot more excited than you are today because it was so cool. My son got a triple play few more innings passed, and then the end of the game came, and, and they put him in first base. They were winning, so I was kind of like not concerned. I was looking at my phone, texting some people back. And then one kid, a very special kid from the other team, came to bat. A kid by the name of Ethan. His parents are wonderful people, and I love them. But Ethan was born with the left leg a little shorter than the right leg. The left arm shorter than the right arm. So he limps as he walks. But his parents, in an effort to make sure that he feels 100% comfortable with life and that he's able to conquer any obstacles, they register him to play baseball. And Ethan always came, always showed up, and always did his best. There were two outs, and now it was time for Ethan to hit. He grabbed the bat like this. First pitch came. Ethan swung up here. The ball came down. Strike one. Put my head down again. Continue to work on my 
But then all of a sudden, I heard a voice. Ethan. This voice was coming from the other team. From the opposing team. Ethan. You can do this. Hit the ball hard. Ethan. Hit the ball out of here. I looked up because the voice was very familiar. It was coming from first base. It was Jose. My son. Ethan, hit the ball. Ethan, hit it. Ethan, you can do this. The pitcher was beginning to look at him funny. The game ended. And at the end of every game, Jose always comes up to this day and he comes and he says, Papa, how did I do? He said, man, you know you did awesome. But then he always asks another question. He says, which of all of the things that happened today, which do you like the most? What made you the proudest? I said, well, let me see. Papa, was it the triple? He said, no, it wasn't the triple. Was it the triple play? Did you see that? And I said, yes, I saw that, but, but that was not the play that I loved the most. Papa, I know it was when I struck out six people on a row. They couldn't hit me today. And no, baby, that wasn't that. So he looked at me a little confused and he said, so which part of everything that happened today did you like the most? I said, baby, when you cheered for Ethan in the other team, that is what I love the most about everything that you did today. And I said, and let me tell you even a little bit more. That is what I love the most. But not only me. That is what God loves most about everything that you did today. Dear Remix, you want God to be proud of you? It's okay to read. Read the Bible. The Bible is awesome. It's okay to pray. Actually, it is awesome to pray. Pray lots. Pray. It's awesome. The remix, if you want to make God most proud, love. Love those who are sitting next to you, but also love those who seem to be playing for a different team out there, who look different than you are, who smell different than you smell, who dress different than you dress, who eat different than you eat, love them. You know why? Because God put you here to reach them. God bless you.